Hey everybody, I am so excited about this episode and I want to get you excited about it as well. One cool thing I did do was subtitle the whole episode on YouTube for the video version. I hadn't done that since uh, another really pivotal conversation I had with Eugene Mayer, Kitty Piercy, but it does make it more accessible and frankly it does help out with a little bit of small audio issues that I had on this episode. It was entirely on my mic and it's mostly in the second half of the episode. A little bit of crackling and popping, but I tamed almost all of it in the audio editor and I just wanted to make sure you can clearly hear every word being said, especially when we're talking about things like the multi-unit property tax exemption, or even conversations about Kanye West and Britney Spears and how they're treated differently. So without further ado, here's my conversation in beautiful Alton Baker Park in Eugene with city council member Jennifer Yeh. This podcast was recorded on April 6th, 2022. Hello, ladies, gentlemen, and people outside the binary. Broken class is back in session. I'm your discussion leader, Thomas Gradient Huda. What an awesome pleasure it is today to be joined by a sitting member of the Eugene City Council. She represents Ward 4, which is Harlow area, North Northeast Eugene. This is Jennifer Ye. How are you today, Jennifer? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for inviting me. Awesome. Your first time on a podcast always makes me feel good to, to give people that opportunity. Yes, it is my first time. I'm a little nervous, but it's going to be great. Yeah, no, and I, I had that same experience when my friend Sammy Warmhands, who's a rapper, he was he's a longstanding musician. He was the first person to ever invite me on a podcast, and that got the planted the seed, you know, got, mm-hmm. got the things going for me to want to eventually do my own. Um, plus my dad had a career in broadcast as well oh. when he was in Japan. Oh, I nice. told you just before this, that he was a, an educator, but he was also a, a radio DJ. So oh, neat. yeah, picked up the skills from the family. Uh, not as good, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but, uh, a little bit trickled down. Um, and so I want to ask you first off, <clears throat> what is a controversial opinion that you have about anything? Okay. So this isn't probably controversial outside of this area, but I do not like beer. I do not like any beers. There's not a single beer I've ever, I do sometimes pretend to like them, (laughs) but I am very much uh, a Wow, already admitting your dishonesty on the... I know. (laughs) No, that's uh, so. but you do like vodka. I'm a vodka girl. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Anything mixed with vodka. Just before this, because I never tell the guests what I'm going to ask them except the controversial opinion part. And I said... You know, one of my guests, Amber Beatty, said that potatoes taste like mold and dirt and she can't stand them. And here you are saying, <laughs> I like only the liquor that comes from potato. No, I'm just kidding. Potatoes are amazing. Tater yeah. tots. Yes. Best form of a potato. Wow. You could run in the Midwest. And I you know. Could, you could win in Minnesota. <laughs> just talk about hot dish. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, one thing I do appreciate about you is you, I think you seem to put humanity first. You are a person who... Uh, is not in your position for self-aggrandizement. You're not doing this because you want the spotlight on you. You told me today you had to do a photo with the Eugene Weekly, and it's not your particularly favorite thing to do. Um, But um, what has it been like to go from a longstanding private citizen, you know, you've worked at the Lane County Historical Museum Mm -hmm. for now seven years, but then joined the city council in uh, 2017 Mm -hmm. through appointment, and then you ran for your own uh, seat again. What's that been like uh, doing that, being an elected official when you're kind of just an everyday person? Yeah, yeah. You know, I think... You, you kind of think you're ready for, you think you know what it's like, but it's not quite the same. Yeah. Um, 
You know, the reason I was so into doing neighborhood stuff is because you get to make those personal connections with people on a neighborhood level, just person to person. Yeah. Um, it's it as a counselor, it's a little different because of the I think because of the power struggle, you know, structure and, you know, people see you a little differently. You're not a volunteer anymore. So yeah. it's a little different. So I do. It's a small miss, stipend. But yeah, yeah. 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 So, you know, it's a little different and um, sometimes a little bit harder to make those person to person connections um that's one of the things i've i've noticed when i when i've started to do this but you know it's still really rewarding sure i still get to make a difference in my community which is why i try to do it but it it is hard sometimes because you did get a lot of negative feedback oh yeah because <laughs> obviously you know when you're upset about something you're more likely to reach out when you're happy and Yes. You know, you're more likely just to, you know, stay home and enjoy mm -hmm. TV and not show up at a city council meeting. So <laughs> you have to be kind of prepared for that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I know that you are certainly interested in bridging the gap in terms of getting good public feedback on things like planning um, and trying to make it so that council and the city are mm -hmm. coming to people where they are rather than having it always be a situation where they have to come yeah. towards the official entities and bodies. Um, what's something that uh, you as an insider uh, know to be true that maybe uh, you wish people understood better or that the general public maybe uh, has a misconception about or just hasn't had the opportunity to understand as well as you wish? In the area of engagement is what you're talking about? Yeah. Could be anywhere. Okay. Well, you know, I think I, you know, when I was still a neighborhood advocate, mm -hmm. I would often hear, um, you know, the city doesn't care what I think. Sure. They, you know, they, they have already made up their minds and they only listen to the people in South Eugene anyway. Um, and, and I get that. I get where it's coming from, but it really isn't true. Mm -hmm. I, we have a phenomenal staff at the city and... I have never met anyone who didn't care and who didn't want to get um, better feedback. It's right. just doing engagement is difficult. I think any organization who part of their mission is engaging with the community knows that it's not an easy thing to do to get, get feedback from people and to reach people who aren't really interested because mm -hmm. you need to reach those people who don't even want to tell you because mm -hmm. their opinions matter too. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really difficult. And I, I hope that people... If they're listening to this, that the takeaway is that um, what what you think matters, and the city really does care. Right, right. Awesome. I agree. Um, from getting to know people better, like I've kind of shared with you, uh, I'm not trying to make this about me, but <laughs> I have gone through in the last since 2019, or even since well before that, because I am a lifelong Eugenian, really. Besides when I went to college. Um, I've seen my own sort of evolution of being like. Oh, it's the people in power. It's this. It's everybody on council sucks because they all didn't vote this way on this thing mm -hmm. that I. And then you get to know these people better and you understand the nuances behind their decision making. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, it's an interesting debate that happens between, um, you know, the phrase tone policing. Like, like, like there's a lot of valued argument to be made that like, hey, we've been unheard for so long. Don't try to tell us how to engage. Whereas the other part of it could be that people are human beings and so um if you're able to engage them in a way that uh doesn't doesn't shut them down mm -hmm. but instead you know you don't have to censor yourself but but 
to just be able to have a dialogue where everyone's trying to be heard and you're willing to do some listening as well, I think. Yeah. I think is a really good part of it. Um, and one thing that uh, I wanted to talk about, uh, I do have um, certainly some questions that um, for people who, like me, are left-leaning, um, they'll probably be appreciative that I ask you these questions. But I want to also ask you some questions about sort of Ward 4 sure. and the history of Ward 4. And essentially, um, nobody wants to feel like um, a large subset of the community is unheard. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we see this even, I think, within your current race is that there are some who feel um, because the history. Let me re- let me rewind for a little bit for people. Um, basically, uh, for for a long time, you had essentially kind of two council members who were um, a little more openly right leaning um, and. And the perception is often that they're squashed. They're uh, unable to, you know, espouse or enact the policies they want because the other six are don't share their opinion. And so then over time, um, Councillor Poling, who was in Ward 4 for quite mm-hmm. some time, who was one of those more conservative members, along with Mike Clark, who still represents Ward 5, which is the Cal Young area. And, you know, if you know Eugene, you know, Cal Young and Harlow, their values are a little different than... Um, Bethel, then then River Road, then um, well, all the areas of the town are different from one another. And I guess the question I'm asking you is that uh, some people feel like uh, their voice isn't heard. So, what makes you a good representative for those like values of your ward? Well, first off, I think um, there's a perception in the community that uh, North Eugene is a very conservative place. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of maybe uh, those kind of values that might be a little right wing and, and some of the, that we talk about. I've always associated with evangelical people as well. Yeah. OK. And 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 certainly those are there are those folks in our community. But, um, you know, there's a real difference between Ward 5 and Ward 4. Ward 4 has a very much higher percentage of renters and low income folks. Mm. Ward 4 is has a lot higher income. So there's kind of um, which one has higher Ward five. So oh, Mike's right. ward is mm-hmm. a little higher income. So yeah. there, you know, Bertha Holt Elementary is a Title One school in in my mm-hmm. area. So there's actually quite a bit of diversity in Ward four, mm-hmm. and I think that its um, reputation as being a very conservative area is not really reality. It's mm. very mixed. I know there's certainly conservative people. There's certainly people who are evangelical, and then there's folks who are very left-leaning it's it's a very diverse grade which actually i really enjoy Mm -hmm. because when we all come together it requires us to you know talk with each other and listen to different perspectives and um you know our neighborhood association we had a bunch of churches that were involved with the association they were all very different had very different ideas about things but we'd all come together with neighbors and figure out what we were going to do about an issue right Mm -hmm. um that's kind of i think what's special about about ward four um and you know we're not all ever going to agree on any subject you know people of the same party often disagree about issues oh yeah you know and i I would like to think that folks see me as someone who's willing to listen no matter what. I often learn a lot more from someone who I think I disagree with Mm -hmm. than I do with someone who I agree with because we're often on the same perspective. And that Mm -hmm. person who I disagree with has something to teach me, something I can learn. Even if I don't at the end agree with them, at least I've learned something about their perspective and what their concerns are and where they're coming from. So, Yeah, there's a lot of value in that and, and you're modeling that. You know, whether 
on a, it's on a small scale. And so you probably wouldn't think of it as being a grand gesture, but I think you are modeling that in a world where that's become less popular to do. And that's disappointing to me, frankly, um, that it has been that way. Um, so as far as your candidacy for running for an additional term on council, uh, what are some of your priorities and what are you running on? Yeah, thank you. Well, you know, there's there's so many things I care about, which is really nice being on council. I think people that have like that one issue that that's their main focus can be difficult for them when they have to right. deal with a bunch of other things. But, you know, the things that really, I guess, get me up in the morning um, I'm really concerned about climate change. You know, um, I don't think you have to have kids to care, but I, I happen to have children. And so it makes me really think about the decisions I'm making today. How is it going to affect them and their children and, and the children after that? And how, you know, I need to be making decisions now and the council needs to be making decisions now that creates a good um, platform for them to build later and to do even more um, into the future. So that really matters to me. Um, you know, I'm really concerned about housing. Housing is crazy expensive yeah. in this town. Uh, people can't afford it. Our incomes just aren't at a level. And council doesn't have a lot of pull in increasing people's income, but we can yeah. do things around housing. So if we can, you know, pull levers to create more housing and especially different types of housing. I, I know you know, mm -hmm. but you know, we used to have more variety in our housing in the past and mm -hmm. we've moved to this like single family home is the only thing. It's either an apartment or a single family home. And it's, well, why? It does, it, why does it have to be that way? It, it pisses me off. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'll yeah, say that much. Right. Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's classist in my opinion. Um, I would say that, you know, you said that council doesn't have control over what people's incomes are and that's true. But I also think, um, again, going back to some of those advocates for like, let's say a more business friendly environment, people would say that, um, we want to be, cause it is, tr it's, it's like fundamentally true. I think anybody would probably agree that, um, yeah, there's not a high enough percentage of like good paying jobs in Eugene to, to keep up with the cost of housing and living. And so thinking about ways mm -hmm. to make uh, Eugene somewhere that's friendly towards people who want to grow their businesses or start their businesses. Um, yeah, I think that's question. important. Yeah, because, you know, you know, we can't we're kind of at a point now where I think it'd be a little irresponsible to continue to add more taxes but we need more money. So if we can't add more taxes, the other side of that coin is to invest in our community so that the taxes that we have now get us more money. So, right. you know, um, I've been doing a lot of research around this concept of, um, I think it's called economic gardening, where you're supporting local businesses that are just um, really ready to grow. They're at that place where they can get bigger and better and be able to pay people more, or yeah. you know, whatever that next step for them is but they can't do it alone. They need help. Um, and I think, you know, as a city, we try to do that in many ways. We try to support our, our local businesses, but maybe, mm -hmm. you know, into the future, being a little more targeted about who we're supporting and, mm -hmm. and getting, you know, finding those companies that are really ready to take that next step, right? And investing. Right, right absolutely. Um, yeah, no, I mean, there's, as we have this conversation, I'm thinking about my friends who are more knowledgeable about these issues than me and uh, often leads them to be more angry. Uh, you know, like like some people are not a fan of 
um, you know, the OB properties getting the MUPTI, the multi-unit property tax. I mean, you know that. Yep, yep, <laughs> yeah. People who are who really think this is entrenched power getting more of the pie, and so it is. Um, what do you think about that? <laughs> yeah, that's it. You know, it's it's a it's tricky. You know, I think you know, there's nothing inherently evil about MUPTI. It's a tool, and it's mm. a, if you use it properly, it, it's good, and if you use it improperly, it's bad. Mm-hmm. Um, you, for the projects that we've funded since I've been on council that have received MUPTIs, they have all um, met all the requirements. And for me, um, if that if you meet all the requirements to an incentive, you should be entitled to have that incentive. I don't think that politics should come in and all of a sudden, because you, you belong to a particular company or a particular family, you're mm. now not able to get that incentive. Mm. If the incentive isn't what we need it to be, we need to change it. Right. Um, I'm comfortable with the analysis that we've done on those projects that they did need our help to, c- to come to fruition, that they mm-hmm. wouldn't have been able to do it without some support. So I voted for them. I, mm-hmm. I approved them. Um, but yeah, going forward, if our community is like, you know, this isn't exactly what we want to support. We want to support something different. And the, you know, one of the problems with the MUPTI is it's geographic. Um, it's centered on a specific geog- geography, so right. we can't use it in areas where we know we need more development. Right. We, need, we know we need more incentives, you know, like especially like the Bethel area, River right. Road. Right. We can't use MEPTI, so we need to either change it or mm-hmm. find other ways to get those communities where they need to be because... Yeah, we all need to be we all need to be risen up together. We can't just concentrate on you know specific areas of town. When I think about you talking about like areas like Bethel, I think about opportunity zones, which my understanding was a federal policy under the Trump administration um, that would give certain exemptions on taxes for places that have been economically stagnant or that might need additional support in order for businesses and organizations to thrive. Do you have any like, did I did I yeah. summarize that well? What are yeah, the drawbacks so. of that? We have some, we have you know, enterprise zones, opportunity zones. Mm-hmm. They don't get used that often, so right. I think that really shows that they're not what we need. Okay. You know, we looking at the Bethel area. There's been some talk about um, maybe an urban renewal district in that area. We've used that downtown. We used it at the riverfront. It might be something that's appropriate to use in the Bethel area mm-hmm. as well. Um, you know, we we're not a rich city. You know, our community has never been wealthy and that's just the way it is. So we, you know, we're not going to have a bunch of reserve funds to just throw it at at a problem. We're going to have to get creative. And um, I think looking at an urban renewal zone for that area is the right is the right direction we need to go in. Uh Um, And we're going to be having more conversations around that. Sure. Um, You know, it might be time to end our one downtown. Mm. (laughs) It's been around for a very long time Mm. and it's done some good things and mm. I think it's done some probably things people wish we hadn't done back in its inception where we lost so many historic buildings but right. um, you know it may be time to stop concentrating in that area and, and shift to some of our areas that have had less attention I think uh, a lot of people who would listen who might be listening I don't want to presume that my audience is larger than it is let's be real but uh, they might have <laughs> just perked their ears up at that and then said yes please we've been waiting um, especially as someone who grew up off uh, the River Road community uh, yeah. my whole life, River Road and Bethel, you know, there's a, there's a kinship, you know, that like we, the Highlanders and the the Wolverines don't don't particularly like each other, but then you graduate and you realize, hey, we we actually have a lot in common, you know, <laughs> we're um, 
And so I, I let's let's point to something that is exciting, and I would say the uh, riverfront pr- uh, mm-hmm. development. Are you excited about that? Tell I, people what's up about that. I am. I'm, I am excited about it. You know, it's our opportunity to create a whole new neighborhood, really kind of, you know, from scratch, which is pretty exciting. You often don't get that kind of large scale planning. Um, I guess Crescent Village, might. You know, it's like a little smaller, but it's kind of the same idea that it's kind of all planned at one time. I just went to the Winco out there yesterday. See? <laughs> North Eugene I'm, I'm is stoked. awesome. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so, and we can see that there's been, you know, the Crescent Village area has been very successful. You know, they have yeah. thriving businesses and they have residential and it's, you know, there's homes that are owned, there's homes that are rented, you know, so it's a really a walkable, very successful neighborhood. And I'm, we're hoping, you know, I'm hoping that that's what's going to happen in the riverfront. I think there's been, there's been some, you know, disappointment in the process. I think, you know, we are, many of us are a little disappointed that the um, affordable housing complex got got shifted a few times. Right. But it remained. Not enough units is one criticism and the units themselves are not affordable enough. Yeah. Is another criticism. And, and we're at, we're still at a planning stage. I mean, these are concepts, not final plans. So there's still room, I think, for, for changes to be made into, in the future since, they haven't been built yet. They haven't been designed yet. But, mm-hmm. you know, we're still getting something really great down there. Mm-hmm. And it's um, going to draw people to our downtown, which we know is really important for safety. And um, it's going to be a neighborhood that's extremely walkable and great access to transit. I mean, hopefully this is a community that will embrace, you know, a greener lifestyle. Yeah. Hopefully they'll want that. And that's why they'll move there. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's pretty exciting. I think so too. I, I, and I, and I look forward to being able to really, obviously I'm a cyclist actively traverse both sides of the river, you know, all the way up and down. It'll be really, really fun. Yeah. Um, let's talk about, because we've gotten wonky for the last five minutes, uh, very, <laughs> lots of municipal issues, which is great. Um, but let's talk about, uh, you as a person and, um, before you ever were, uh, I'm curious to know, um, Obviously, you had been working for the Lane County History Museum mm-hmm. for a couple of years or a year or two before you were appointed. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you? What is it that you think led to your being appointed? <laughs> like, why are you qualified? Wait, I know that's Jennifer a great Ye, question. What, who's that? I know. So, like I said, I was working with when I when I moved back to Eugene. I've lived in Eugene a few times, off and on, because my husband's career. We kind of ended up bouncing around, but our goal was to move here to Eugene and raise our kids here, and we moved from in, where? Um, well. Before we moved to Eugene, we were, so we lived in Corvallis and then Coos Bay and then Albany and then here. So we moved around a lot. Cool. And we moved here in the middle of my son's kindergarten year. So we almost made it. We were, you know, like six months off from him being here his whole his whole young life, I guess. You should have ran for governor. I know. You've been around all around Oregon. No, I'm just kidding. That's going to be, it's a wild race. I'm excited to see Betsy Johnson and the Democratic candidates. And anyway, anyway. There's a lot of people. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Cool. Yeah. So so, decided to raise your kids in So I moved here and I got involved. One of the first things I did was getting involved with my neighborhood association. And I just slowly, you know, you get into a, a, a nonprofit or a volunteer organization and they just slowly, you know, pull you in and you slowly get more responsibility. And at some point um, I was asked to be, I was vice chair and they asked me to be chair temporarily while they looked for a new chair. Well, that never happened. <laughs> so I was chair for several years. Hey, anyway. if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Exactly, right? And, you know, it, it was fun. I enjoyed it more than I thought I would when I first did it. And so 
when George Poling decided to retire early, you know, the neighborhood leaders, we were kind of talking about he was going to recommend someone and we weren't sure we were comfortable with that. And some friends pointed out to me that, you know, you can complain about it or you can be someone who steps up and does something about it. It took a few people telling me that before I was like, had the confidence to, to you know, to do it. Uh, to run for the, or not run, but for sure. to uh, do the appointment. Because um, it's, I don't know, politics is one of those things, I think, maybe for everyone, but especially for women, you always feel like there there's some nebulous qualifications that you're not sure what they are, but you're sure you don't have them. Oh, <laughs> right? wow. And so it took some people to convince me that you, you, you just regular people, that's who we need, just yes. people. You know, you don't have to have any special degree or qualifications. It's great if you do. You know, mm -hmm. we need a diversity on council. So, mm -hmm. you know, we want people who do have, you know, fancy degrees and mm -hmm. who are accomplished in business and who work in nonprofits. So, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I decided to take the plunge. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I do want to, you mentioned having a diverse, uh, the diversity of perspectives on council, which diversity can, can imply a lot of different things. Um, but we've seen a lot of uh, dialogue about issues that BIPOC people of color face. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, I want to uh, ask you a few questions about that. Sure. And I want to ask you, um, you know, the city is comprised of a great deal of boards and commissions as well as the city council, which is elected. Um, and right now, uh, April 15th is a deadline for mm -hmm. a great deal of them that happens annually. Uh planning commission uh library commission historical there's a lot of them there yeah and um have you ever uh taken it upon yourself to uh actively recruit any people uh of color or people who have a different you know racial and ethnic background than yourself because you understand that uh yeah dearth of perspectives in those in those positions yeah I, you know it's i try to get the word out i've you know worked with the boards and commissions that we have to try to encourage them and our you know neighborhood involvement department to see if there's ways we can get the word out and we're really trying and you know this last cycle we saw um i think we saw some really good improvement our police commission we actually did the recruitment twice for the police commission because we weren't satisfied the first time and right. we have a very diverse group of folks now i mean that's I, true my friend Chantel is on it oh Robertson. yeah, yeah Chantel is yeah. amazing yes. yes yeah 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 i don't think we've ever had a group that diverse before um it's really encouraging it's if we can do it there we can do it in our other boards and commissions um and it's it's where we need to be headed. We, mm -hmm. And, you know, when I read folks, you know, we get an application from everyone and it tells us a lot about them. And I, I, I think it's appropriate to give some preference to folks who are bringing perspectives that are not already represented. And so, you know, I try to use my votes in that way. And sometimes, you know, it happens and sometimes it doesn't. But um, we're not going to... We're not going to get that diversity if we continue to appoint the same people who are already involved. And those people are great. They bring experience right. and they know a lot of people in the community. And that's Institutional important. Institutional memory yeah, and knowledge. Yeah, it's not that it's not important, but mm -hmm. there there also needs to be new people with new perspectives and new outlooks. And it's mm -hmm. a blend, right? We all come together. So yeah. mm -hmm. No, um, it's, it is pretty amazing how 
like because like i go to carlton college in minnesota and then i was briefly a graduate student at columbia in new york city and just like i've been around a lot of places and as you know my dad was a white man i'm kind of a white man a half you know whatever and uh it just is this thing that happens where like anywhere you go there's like there's like these white guys who just think that they have the correct like qualifications because they've been in that situation like it just i'm thinking of lots of people's names but i'm not going to name any of them you know because in their view having been in the room is really is really important and i've been here and da 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 and you haven't been here well but then we're evolving in our dialogue to be like okay why haven't those other people been here yeah what point in that chain broke for them like like for them to be able to be here you know so Sorry, white guys, who I just offended, but uh, it's a podcast, so we're we're, we're you know, yeah, <laughs> it's it's okay, you know, uh, you speak yeah. Off the cuff. I think you're right. I mean, a lot of times, the reason that folks weren't there in the room wasn't because they weren't interested; it was because right. they didn't feel welcome. Yeah, you know, they. It's not hard to realize you're somewhere where you're not welcome. Yeah, you know, I mean, as, you know, I'm a white lady, so you know, I don't have that same experience as someone who, you know, is coming into a room and it's very obvious that they're a person of color or, mm-hmm. you know, maybe they're disabled and folks immediately make that assumption about them. Yeah. Um, but I've been in places where it was clear my opinions were less valued, you know, sure. so and and it feels terrible. You know, no yeah. one wants to feel like that. It's shitty. Right. But, you know, we still do it and right. we, we can't. We can't anymore. It's 2022, you know, like. Have you what? ever had the experience of somebody you say something and it's not taken seriously and then a homeboy over there says it and yeah. all of a sudden it's like, yeah, that's what oh we need my to gosh. do. So I'm not going to say where, but yeah, I was yeah, yeah. W- involved with an organization where um, it was quite common for the women in the group. So um, there was actually a very nice man who would repeat what we would say mm-hmm. <laughs> every once in a while. Yeah. And then it would get picked up and it, it was... I really appreciate that he did that because it was necessary, but it was infuriating that it had to be repeated by a man before it was taken seriously yeah um i think we're all trying to not do that anymore not not be that community but it's easy to slip back um into patterns and and comfortable patterns about who is in power and who is not and whose opinions are valuable and who's not i think there are as we've begun to talk more about mental health in society there are um serious mental health implications with with being feeling marginalized for any number of identity related issues Mm -hmm. so like you mentioned you don't know what it's like to walk into a room and have you know it'd be obvious that you're a person of color or everybody can kind of tell you're a person of color i am sort of a you know a mixed race sort of passing person in a lot of situations and then you know i don't typically have like an asian accent where i can you know Mm -hmm. i can speak in a way that that um, white Americans tend to, you know, not be confused by or, or mm-hmm. whatever it may be. Um, so I'll enter into those spaces where maybe I've, I'm a little bit camouflaged in my like Asian ethnicity and background. Um, but I know it. Mm-hmm. You know, I know that I'm the only person in this room who understands what it, what it's like to experience racism, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and that that mental, that sort of internal dialogue of 
com- coupled with imposter sister syndrome and thinking, am I even good enough to be here anyway? Yeah. You know, that's a challenge. And so probably the last question that I can think of to ask you on this overall topic is that, um, you know, your family, you, uh, your partner is a Chinese American. And so, you know, your family members are Asian and, um, is there anything that you've learned from their day-to-day experiences, even yeah. though they're not your experiences? Yeah. You know, having a front row seat is a lot more enlightening than I thought it would be. Um, I, you know, one of the things that I, and maybe you've experienced this, that I've learned from my daughter is she always, um, I don't know if second guest is the right word, but we're, you know, if some, she has a negative interaction, she's always like, was it because I'm Asian? You know, she's always thinking that instead of just being like, maybe that person was just a jerk or maybe they were having a bad day. Her first thought is like, was it me? Was it something about me? Something she can't change about herself. There's nothing she can do about that. Um, Is that why I had this negative interaction? And that's heartbreaking. Uh, You know, I don't don't want her to feel like that. And uh, but, you know, that's it's reality. It's the reality she lives in. Yeah, no, my mom has has. told me explicitly some of those exact words you know was it because i'm asian like i can think of two instances that are day to day in like uh so she's a server at sushi pier um so she deals with things that servers deal with Mm -hmm. uh, already which is can be troublesome (laughs) and challenging but um you know i've seen her at the cash register where we're gonna ring up items at any it could be anywhere and then the cashier will give a really friendly interaction to the person two people ahead of us and a really friendly warm interaction to the person one person ahead of us and then for whatever reason my mom approaches the conveyor belt just like everyone else and it's just dead silence you know and 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 that that is definitely a thing and uh, another one that was specific is i remember she was at ross once and she told me about this and i think it had to do with um uh, she was going to the, the dressing room and there was like uh, the staff member was an Asian person and then the other person in front of her was an Asian person and she was an Asian person and there was this uh, white gentleman behind them and then so like they're waiting for the rooms to be ready or something and then you know the guy just makes a joke like oh because I'm because I'm the white guy here I don't get to go in yet or something like that and it's just it's like just like his idea of trying to diffuse whatever tension he felt probably just out of like racial discomfort yeah you know thinking that he was saying something funny and no one laughed and, and then it's just he feels more like he mm-hmm. you know it feels more uncomfortable for him but really it's the other people that you've made uncomfortable and uh yeah no those day-to-day situations um people could say get over it and grow a tough skin we've all learned to do that uh but everybody's human and you're going to get caught in those vulnerable moments and, and something's going to happen where it's like that bothered me all day or all week, or even I stopped it. I can stop thinking about that a month later, you know? So that's just humanity. That's just being a human being. Um, another thing that is fundamental to, uh, most people's humanity, uh, is a love of music. I, (laughs) I, I, I didn't tell you this before, but one thing I make a goal is like, like about half my guests are like hip hop musicians uh-huh. and naturally I'm going to like have a conversation with them about social issues and politics. Um, and then anybody who's in a, like in the political wing of things, I have to ask them like about what their musical interests are and like, what have you been listening to <clears throat> lately or what's uh, what's an artist? And I need artist names. I oh don't be, you okay. can't just be like, Oh, blues <laughs> and jazz, you know, you're going to be sorely disappointed. I will <laughs> listen to anything that happens to be on the radio at the moment. Like I, That's already a terrible place to I start. I know. I know. <laughs> I have really I, 
it's, I don't know that it's not that I don't have preferences. It's just like most music is okay. You know, it's like, I don't, there's not a lot of music that I'm like, oh, this is terrible. I need to turn it off. And I have a teenage daughter who's 15. So she's usually in charge of the Billie music. <laughs> Britney Spears is her oh, favorite. Cool. Her whole room is Britney Spears. Oh so, my gosh, that's y- awesome. Yes, which is a little surprise. A little, Britney would be genuinely thrilled to hear that. I know. I mean, <laughs> it's a little, it's more my husband and I's generation, but she's, that's, that's what she likes and it's great. And um, it gives my husband and her something to love together, which is also awesome. Um, you have you watched any of like the documentaries? We've about? we've watched some of them as, as the she's a true stuff? fan, and so yeah, yeah, if there's like a magazine, she's got to get it, and um, you know it's uh, it's it's really actually you know her career is very fascinating. I mean, she's yeah. like a really uh, strong woman who has had a difficult life, and yes. and you really see how living in the public eye, I think through her story, how difficult that is, and. I, I can't even imagine being in her shoes. And yeah. so I've learned actually a lot through my daughter's, um, you know, fandom, I guess, of her. So sure. it's been a good experience. But That's really neat. Yeah, no, no. She comes from Louisiana. What other celebrities come from Louisiana? You know, it's already it's kind of like you can imagine that her growing up, going to these major media markets and performing in L.A. and New York and becoming the superstar. And she she does have a bit of a her, people around her. Have, uh, noted uh, somewhat of an auteur sort of uh, uh, characteristic about her that she's very in control of like what her stage show is and, and everything. And, um, you know, your last name is Ye, who you might n- or might not know that uh, one of the greatest rappers of our generation, Kanye West, mm-hmm. recently changed his name from Kanye to just Ye. Oh, I didn't. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, he's he's very biblical, and he's like, you look at the King James Bible, and like that's the most commonly word used word is Y E, which is like ye, oh. you know. And so he, they, <laughs> no, it's really fascinating huh. though, like because I'm a, I've always been a very big fan of his, but um, he that you know just like a friend who you love, you have to be like, hey, I love you, but this thing that you did is not acceptable, you know, and and so. When you look at Britney Spears, who, you know, I don't think justifiably uh, based on like a previous like, you know, she's had mental health challenges. I've had mental health Mm -hmm. challenges. Kanye's had mental health challenges. But like she lost all of her like right to control her assets through a conservatorship. Kanye never did, you know, and um, it's one of those things that you just kind of sit back and you go, wow, like we were. At some level, even just like everyday people, like when she shaved her head and and uh, was really, you know, kind of speaking out in favor of her own autonomy at a time mm-hmm. when everybody felt like they could control her. We all kind of participated in being like Britney's crazy. Yeah. And, and that I was that. that was the that was what people were talking about. That was the narrative is that. Look at this crazy lady. She has everything and why and she's losing it in public and you know, we all have days that are hard and we have years that are hard. I've had very difficult times too and yeah. but we don't have to live that out in a camera in public, right? Yeah. No, we get to stay private for the most part and yeah. 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 I mean, but that's what we do to that's what we do to celebrities and there's a positive and a negative to being famous, but you know that kind of vilifying people is not it's not helpful and it's not okay right 
Well, you're a parent. I'm not. And um, when you talk about that, um, a life being lived on camera, um, a lot of young people have, for better or worse, embraced that. A lot of young people have an intense FOMO around not being on TikTok, Instagram, maybe Twitter, probably not even Facebook, depending on how young they are, you know, Um, and feeling very strongly like they have to be expressing themselves through those mediums. Mm -hmm. And that sense of of privacy is so different yeah. uh, because you just kind of give it up at a certain point. If you have a smartphone, um, what kind of worries does that lead? Do you you see, are you optimistic? Um, Because I see a lot of amazing ways in which um, Gen Z's voices are amplified through their ability to, to speak on things. Yeah. Um, But it is also really scary. I think. I think it can be scary. You know, to I'm probably maybe in a minority in this. My husband and I were not su- restrictive of our kids using uh, a phone or a tablet as, as things went on and getting on the internet and and using social media. Um, you know, we grew up wishing we had these kinds of things, thinking that you know someday this will be the reality. Well, we'll have these little phones and we'll have access to you know. Email was just new when I was getting into college. And so wow. restricting the access to that stuff. Where'd you the, go? Oh, I went to U of O. Oh, bad. My husband and, us and I are both ducks. So cool. uh, he's a double duck because he went to U of O Law. Nice. So we're very, my and my son went to OSU. So he's a traitor. He's a traitor. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, so we wanted them to have access to these resources that we never had access to. Um, cool. I... You know, there's negatives with everything. When when novels first came out, you know, everyone thought it would rot people's brains and that, you know, reading that kind of fiction was just, you know, not helpful and was going to lead to immoral behavior. There's always that new thing that people are afraid yeah, a of. A lot of the earliest books that were published were like very fluffy, like, you know, romance and like silly. Yeah, that's my understanding. Yeah. Is, is, yeah and people so didn't like it. And then there was TV and then it's video games and now it's this. And yes, you can use it badly and there's you have to be careful like anything. Um, right. But it's also given us access to so much information. You don't have to, you know, for me, and I think maybe your generation too, you kind of had to take your teacher's word for things. Yeah. You had to take the adult's word for things. And now you can look it up and you have to be a little careful about what sources, but it's right there. You don't have to go look up in the library. Um, yes. I think that's, it's, it's just a really exciting time, I think, to be a kid. And I wish I had had this when I was younger. Terrible time to be a teacher. Yeah. You have to be so prepared. <laughs> No, they can no, catch no. you. Yeah. My, yes. My son's that one that will be like, no, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was called smart ass a lot as a youth. <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> because, yeah. I'm all about accurate statements. So uh, you just said you could see that. That's so rude. <laughs> <laughs> I can totally see it. No, no, no. That's great. It's good. Um, you need that one. You got to keep the people on their toes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, so I appreciate you being willing to dialogue about Britney Spears and, and whatnot. You know, that's great. I didn't expect that at all. But like there there must be other forms of art that, that you must be. I mean, as a as a someone who's passionate about like the history museum, like yeah. there's got to be like, are you more into <clears throat> like when you when when if someone said like, OK, you have to name five art pieces and only have those for the rest of your life. Oh, you know, so, you know what kind of stuff we're getting to? We're getting in paintings, sculptures, movies. 
That is wow. Because okay. Because I do, I do want people to understand you as a person. Yeah. I think they've gotten a good sense of. Yeah. You know, um, so I when I went to college, I was an English major. Um, so I, I, I read way too many books. I don't read as much as I used to, but I, I really appreciate um, literature. I think it's really important. I don't know if I could pick some, but just the concept. Um, I was really focused on like early American literature, so mostly fiction. But um, I love photography. I'm terrible at it myself oh. as a person. But um, I really love other people's photography. Yeah. Um, so we have a, a lot of, you know, my, uh, over the years, you know, my kids took a lot of photos and we have them in our house. I just, uh, it, that concept of catching a moment in time and just having it, um, you know, it might be some of that history person uh, in me as well. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I love historic photos. Yes. Um, you know, they're they're not necessarily the truth with a capital T, exactly. which is hard to find. Exactly. Yeah. But they're fascinating. Yes. So I think definitely if I had to pick, most of them would probably be photographs. I don't okay. know what they'd be of, nice. but. <laughs> That's neat. Yeah. Yeah, no, but it is very much a moment that could be, like one of the things too, like, I'm sure that like in the in the weird alternate like universe where you were uh, ambitious enough that you wanted to like run for like federal office like every congress every congressional candidate who's taken seriously you'll see those pictures of them where their face is all like because like the other side has caught the worst possible image of them yeah. and it is a legitimate image of them but it's very dishonest yeah. you know so the ability to lie and I'm you know I used to do a photo uh, photo journalism project in college called Humans of Carlton, where I would interview people. So that's mm-hmm. where I got the, my comfort with this kind of a thing. But I would just, it would end up being a Facebook post of a po- photo I would take of them and then, you know, interview, selection from the interview mm-hmm. in the caption and stuff. And that was really neat. But there's there a lot of responsibility that I felt to capture, you know. Right. Something good. And and then at a small campus, like people want to be smiling and they want to look good. And then people would criticize me. Why are they always smiling in your project? That's not very real. And it's like, ah, you know, um, <laughs> you want to let people represent themselves the way they want to be represented. Yeah, right. mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. No, but um, uh, another thing you mentioned, uh, you were an English major in college and you also previously mentioned like some days like you would rather just maybe you would rather just stay home and watch TV or something. Um yeah. Some people would say we're in like this golden era of television. I don't I've only somewhat recently gotten into television. I'm pretty big on YouTube. I like YouTube. But like two of the shows I really like that just came out on Hulu, there's one called The Dropout, which is one uh one of the several tellings of the Elizabeth Holmes Theranos story. Are you familiar I, with I'm not. I might have to look this up. Okay. The quickest summary is that she was a Stanford dropout from a family who uh was wealthy. Like they're from the Fleischmann yeast family or whatever, mm-hmm. so they had that that old yeast money. But in the past generation or two, they had they had kind of fallen on harder times. They're still rich, they're just not as rich. And she really idolized Steve Jobs and uh, Bill Gates and these like people who dropped out of school and ended up creating these crazy companies. So she she claimed that she could create a technology where you can run blood tests oh, with okay. one drop of blood. Yes. All right. yes. yes. The technology never worked the way that it was always advertised, but she ended up still getting like 
a bunch of like statesmen on the board of directors because of her convincing personality and her good looks, frankly, and and then like got a deal with Walgreens and they're actually running these tests, like where they dilute the blood and run it through an old Siemens machine instead of their own machine, like insane amounts of fraud and now she's gonna be in big trouble for it. But this the version of it uh on Hulu called The Dropout is really fun. Uh, and it's just juicy, you know. I have to watch it. It's a but fascinating story. It's, it's it's insanely fascinating. But then the other one I've liked on Netflix is called The Chair, and that stars Sandra Oh, who was in Grey's Anatomy, Korean American mm-hmm. actress, and uh, that one is is where she is the new chair of the English department at a fictional Ivy League university. Okay, I've seen this one, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, check- that's hilarious. Yeah, have you actually seen it? or you just- I've seen it, yeah. yeah well, yeah, my yeah. husband works at a college, so he had to check it out to see how realistic it was, of course. Yes, and then I'd Google and see articles where, like, uh, like the Harvard Crimson or whatever, like, no, our English department is not as bad as on the chair. Because <laughs> every- they're committing every, like, act of wrongdoing you can imagine, but... That's TV. Yeah. Got to exaggerate a little bit. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, she's a great actress. She is. She is. So we should get back a little bit to Eugene. Yeah. We are we are 47 <laughs> minutes in, so I won't take too much of your time more. Um, but what do you think Eugene is – what do you think like walking through town is like in 2040? So oh. like let's say that in 18 years, yeah. you know – What's Eugene going to look like, smell like, feel like, taste like? Mm-hmm. I think there's going to be a lot <laughs> more gonna people. It's going to be foodie town, I think. Oh, yeah. 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 I think that's pretty secured. Yeah. We like our food. We like a variety of food. Um, yeah. I think there's going to be a lot more people. Um, you know, it, it's, it looks like our area, while we're having a, you know negative effects from climate change, is going to be some somewhat protected in in some ways um, than other parts of our country. And I, th- I think we're going to see climate refugees moving to our community. 100%. Yeah. And and it's, you know, Oregon's beautiful. That's yes. why we're all here. That's why we stay here when, when if we're born here in Oregon. Uh, lots of people, they want to be in a place with all this nature. Um, but, you know, we still have big city amenities, too. So it's a good it's a good balance. And, and other people are going to want that. So we're yeah. going to have to be ready for that. And we're going to have to be okay for that with that mm-hmm. because, you know, we don't own this area. We can't build a wall around our town, no. although there's people who would like to do that. Sure. You know, we need to be ready and welcoming um, as people move into our community and have different needs right? Uh, and different wants. And that's, and that's just going to be, have to be okay. Um, I'd like to think that uh, in 20 years, our transportation looks very different, that yeah. there's uh, a lot more people using our buses and bikes, and that the vast majority of cars, if not all of them, are electric when they are being driven. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and, I, and you know, you'll be able to see that by uh, just walking down the street, right? And, yeah. and people, uh, you know, using different modes of transportation. I'd like to see. Our do you have any extensive experience with electric cars? Uh, well, I have one. Oh, cool! I do. I, so I think I saw you get into a Tesla. I, I, we have a Tesla. Cool, we had. Cool, cool. We started with a Leaf. We bought a used oh, Leaf. Oh, nice! It was a couple years I old. I had a Leaf. They're not. They're. I, I had to get rid of it, unfortunately. Yeah, Couldn't well, afford it. Yeah, you know, it, it, they're not electric cars. Are not it's a lifestyle cheap change. yet. Yeah. And, and well, like, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. You like uh, if I went to Portland in my 2016 Leaf SV. I had to stop in Seattle for that rapid charge. I meant Salem. Yeah. And I knew which Nissan dealership. It used to be the state capital, and the Nissan dealership could have a free quick charge. 
Chad Mo charge, 30 to 40 minutes, boom. You have to be, you have to plan your life. Yes. Yeah, yeah. We used to, we would drive down to Medford and we had to stop like three times and you and had to plan your life. For better or for worse, you have to interact with the other EV users <laughs> in a positive way too. Yeah. Sometimes two people roll up to one charge spot and they both have places to be and you have to negotiate that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, which is, you know, which is really important about getting more charging. Because yes. if the infrastructure is not there, people can't adopt it. You have to be able to get where you need to go, yeah. right? Um, you know, we were lucky we saved up and we were able to get a Tesla, which gets us a lot further. We don't have to stop anymore on our way to visit my parents. We yeah. can get the whole way there. Yes. Um, so that's nice. It, it, do you do the like level one plug-in charge when you're there or is it even worth it? We do. Yeah. You know, we... Because <laughs> those for people who don't know, it's like a 24-hour, like yeah. very slow... It's the same charger that your phone plugs yeah. into, you know? We actually haven't upgraded our garage, so we actually plug into just a regular wall socket at home. That's the healthiest way to do it for your battery. Yeah, which my husband is, like, super paranoid about his battery. He's like, he's a pretty big geek, so he's, like, watching all the videos. And yeah. someday we plan to upgrade because yeah. there are times where you need... but. Right. There are also a lot of Tesla chargers, so you can just go to a charger and, yes. and, and fill up before you need to get out on the road. And um, it just felt like, you know, we only have one car now. We used to have two, but, you know, the Tesla is more expensive, so we have one. And it felt like putting our money where our mouth is kind of situation for us. We could afford it, you know, um, yeah. and it, it, it was the right decision. Yeah. Elon Musk now owns more shares than anyone else in Twitter, and they just put him on the board. <laughs> I didn't Elon know that. Musk is on the board of Twitter now. Do we really need that? I, I don't know. <laughs> He's a very interesting guy. Um, so weird. <laughs> <laughs> but like, if I was that, if I was on his level, I'd be just as weird, you know. So just, just unusual. We're all weird. We just don't have the money to back it up. You yeah. know? My friends and I often talk about yes. some crazy thing we would do if only we had several million dollars, and we probably yes. would do it if we had the money. Yes. And we'd just be just as weird as Elon. Yes, I agree. Um, it is nice that we get so much of our water, of our power from hydroelectric. It is. And we uh, need to, yeah, and so we need to lean into our strengths, right? Our hydropower yes. is our strength. So if we can transition to electrification, you know, sure, we might be using, you know, eWeb may have to get some of their power from coal or some of their power from natural gas, but we can always make our electricity greener. We can never make coal or natural gas greener. It's just always going to be a fossil fuel. Yeah. Um, so we need to start transitioning and then... No, that's going to take a while. It's not going to be us that finishes that. It's the next generations that will finish that work, and that's okay, but right. we need to get the ball rolling for them. Well, it is something where I do – I'm always kind of like a big picture kind of person a lot of the time, and uh, I'm, I'm like you. I think uh, I really have deep appreciation and love for people with whom I look very differently at the world, like very different from me and disagree with me fervently. Mm -hmm. And – when you do think about like fundamentally rethinking our transportation infrastructure and electrifying our, our vehicle system, you have a large percentage of the country and a significant percentage of Lane County and then less in Eugene, but still a significant percentage of, Lane, of Eugenians who are extremely resistant to the idea of getting rid of their mm -hmm. Ford truck or their, you know, Hummers aren't as popular nowadays. But, you know, I remember back back in like 10, 15 years ago, Hummers were like the, the bomb. Yes. Um and there's people who, who, I mean, I've got my hobbies, you know, I've got things that make me feel powerful. Like, you know, I hit a three pointer from 25 feet out. I feel like the king, you know, you step on the gas and one of those things, I get it. Like you get that feeling, but it's just, this is like not a question that I would want to answer if I was in your seat right now. But like, 
how do you do that actual changing of people's hearts and minds and opinions? Because, you know, like, <sighs> my understanding is evolutionarily, we evolved to respond to threats that seem the most immediate. If I was going to punch you right now, I promise you I won't, <laughs> but you would probably flinch or react to it in such a way that you would not if I told you that, you know, hey, we're going to overfish the whole you know, <laughs> Pacific Ocean yeah. in, in 10 years or whatever it may be. So, like, you know, frankly, some people are going to just say, you know, you're a hippie, you're looking down on me, you... Uh, the science isn't settled, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. What do you think we can do to try to convince or make it so that you're not looking at it as I'm taking away something yeah. you love and instead we can do something together that's better? Yeah. Well, I think the first thing is to remember. Okay, one it, quick oh. thing, though, also, oh. as you know, when you step on the accelerator in an electric car, oh, yeah. it goes. It feels good. It's not yeah. loud. It's, it's kind of fun. Yeah. It's kind of fun. Yeah. 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 If you need, if you're at a light and you need to get around that person, yes. you don't need to worry about it. You're exactly. going to beat them. doesn't exactly. matter what car they have. You're beating you have them. instant torque. Yeah. It doesn't change gears. It it's, just sends it's pretty more juice sweet. to the... Yeah. Yeah. It is nice. I will admit it. It's fun. It, they're very fun to drive. Yes. Um, but I think the first thing to remember is, especially if you're interacting with a friend or a family member, is to, you know, don't don't make them feel guilty. I think guilt yeah. makes people entrench in their ideas and sure. they like I need to protect myself and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna listen to you, I'm not gonna think about you, your point of view. Um, so just be like, it's okay what you're doing now, it's fine. And 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 approach it from thinking about, you know, when you're when you need to replace that car, you need to replace that appliance, let, you know, look and see what your options are. Because even, even pickup trucks now are having electrics come out. So yep. people, like you may have that lifestyle and many people do that requires a particular type of vehicle. Maybe you're a contractor, maybe you own ATVs or what, maybe you need to put six bikes in the back of your pickup. It does, there are options coming out now to support those lifestyles. So it's just about, Figuring, taking your needs and your wants and then looking for that product that will be both good for, for your lifestyle but also good for the environment. Um, and I think that's a good way for people to think about it is we're not – we're asking you to make a change. But we're not asking you to really give up something. You know, the car – my electric car is no different – than any other car. It just has a different fuel source. It still goes down the road. It still has all yeah. the same parts, you know, it's yeah. that every other car is. If I didn't tell you, you might not even know, right? And a lot of the most ardent environmentalists are not a fan of individual cars in general anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, that's one of the downsides, I think, of electric vehicles is it makes us feel less guilty about driving. I know it does for me. I, I have... You know, the pandemic didn't help. I, you know, they asked people not to ride buses, so I stopped. Right, and right. so I'm driving more. Um, but there's less of that guilt because I'm like, oh, well, it's an electric car. I don't have to worry about it as much. But yes. you're, you're 100% right. I, I do. I do still need to look for those opportunities to get out of my vehicle um, and use public transportation or walk or, or ride a bike because electricity is still you know, it's still creating, it's still a fuel and it's, yeah. you know, still creating some level of pollution. I also do feel that frankly, being in a car or being alone in a car, it's such a set of walls around. Like I just, I feel like I experience the city so much better if I'm just mm-hmm. free with the wind in my face you yeah. know, and, and on a bicycle other than it's easy to be in a big vehicle rolling down Willamette street and looking at the people sitting on the sidewalk or eating pizza at the sizzle pie and somehow feeling like not 
connected to the mm-hmm. same experience as them. Some might say better than them or just distant from them in a way. You know, it's really, it's an interesting thing to think about. But we are at mercy on some, to some extent to the state of Oregon being extremely reliant on these individual mm-hmm. cars, you yeah. know, for the transportation uh, ecosystem here. Mm-hmm. And hopefully that can change as well. I really believe in high-speed rail uh, as oh, well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, get to Seattle and like, what, a couple out, two hours or an yeah. hour and a half or something? That would be amazing. Portland in 40, 40 minutes or something? Yeah. I would be thrilled. Yeah. 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 I, you know, my husband and I take the train every once in a while for things, and uh, there's, there was at least one time where we got stuck. So yeah. <laughs> you're just sitting there because some freight train has, you know, the priority. It would be so nice to just have, like, priority access that people could just go up and down, and you wouldn't have to drive. I mean, when you're going to a big city like Seattle, you don't need a car. Yeah. There's no reason to drive your car up there. Yeah just that you know the other options aren't as uh you know don't really fit people's lifestyles as well so yeah right right someday right someday yeah Yeah. um is there anything that we haven't been able to talk about that you kind of feel it would be a good opportunity to express whether it's about your candidacy about the city about what it's like to be on council that we haven't been able to address yet yeah um i don't know you know um I just, I, I would like for people in, in the community to um, really feel like they have um, a place in, in our system and an important um, role to play in our system. You know, city councilors are elected to represent folks and, and that's our job and we do that. Um, but we can't do it alone. We yeah. need our community to to help us and to give us feedback you know there's a you know we often have this problem between listening and obeying you know we're not going to obey everyone because that's impossible because there's people on both sides of every issue um but listening is very important and and i hope like shows like yours that make it seem i hope a little more accessible that counselors are just people we're just regular people there's nothing super special about us. I, as a a citizen, thought for some reason that my city councilors were somehow, I don't know, wouldn't be receptive to me as much or were somehow special or better in some way. But they're not. We're just people. And and, um, everyone has something to contribute. And I hope that there's, like you said, April 15th, there's still time. People can still apply for boards and commissions. Yes. There's so many different ones. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's going to be something. Just Google City of Eugene boards and commissions. And yeah, it'll show you all of the openings. Human Rights Commission has four openings. I'm going to try to get in there. Uh, and then the other the rest of them have between one and three openings. Yeah. And reach out to city councilors. Yeah. I meet with people who who are like, hey, I applied for this commission and I really want to get on it. Will you meet with me? Because mm. so, the piece of paper we get, it's not a, it's hard to understand the person. Definitely. From that piece of paper. And they get three minutes to talk and some people are better speakers than others. I, my job is not to pick a good speaker. Yeah. It's to pick a person who's going to do a good job and yeah. bring a good perspective. So if I can meet with that person and get to know them, and um, I know there are other counselors who who will as well, you know, yeah. not, depending on their schedule. So, yeah, yeah, reach out. One thing I think is interesting before I ask the final question is, frankly, that we have this unique regional system. To me, it's odd where the city council is the you know legislative and governing body of the city 
And the individuals themselves are called counselors, C-O-U-N-C-I-L-O-R, which phonetically is the same as like your guidance counselor, mm-hmm. you know, C-O-U-N-S-E-L-O-R. And to me, I frankly think that that is weird and ambiguous. I think that I think that when you say I'm, I'm the counselor for Ward 2, the vast majority of people do not know what you're talking about, especially in my generation or younger. And I genuinely think council member would be a better, would be a better, would be just a better word because like, it's not, it's not gendered like councilman and councilwoman. Mm -hmm. I I think maybe counselor was the attempt to get away from that gendered language because a lot of cities have historically used councilman. Oh, it's talk to your councilman. Mm -hmm. But a lot of cities around the country are using council member. And I just think it's less ambiguous than counselor. I think counselor sounds somehow not what the job mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. I don't know, people frequently are confused about what our job is anyway so <laughs> anything we can do to make that clearer is yeah. probably a good a good move yeah yeah well the show has had a few names in the past but it's called broken class the idea is that you know i want to i have like this goal of being a professor getting my doctorate and like leading classes and like but also trying to break down a lot mm-hmm. of the paradigms that exist within classes that uphold certain systems of power and maybe prevent engagement from certain kinds of people. But what I'm trying to do with the podcast is the final question essentially is to ask you, and we've talked about a lot of these things, but something that you feel is broken in your community or your society, and then uh, uh, an idea for a solution. Oh, something that is broken. You know, I think um, that is a really good question. Uh, if I had to pick just one, I think it would be um, addiction services. I, wow. You know, here in Oregon particularly, we are not investing um, in ways to help folks who are struggling with addictions. And it's not surprising that then, you know, we have people who can't get get the services, whether it's counseling or you know, rehab or whatever they need at that, at that time for them, they just, they can't get access to it. Um, and it's, it's really hard to see something that's so important being so neglected. And I I don't know why Oregon we're so, so low and why we're doing such a bad job, but I mean, there's been efforts to do better, but our communities need to step up. I mean, this is a huge health issue and it, 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 and it affects people from every background. You know, it yeah. doesn't pick and choose whether you're rich or poor or what race you go to or what your age is. I mean, all, even young people can have the same, can be struggling all the way up to, to elderly people. So, you know, right. something we need to take a lot more seriously, I think. Well, thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, we could probably do a whole podcast about that, oh, frankly, easily. you know, <laughs> you know, and, and one of the things that I, uh, there's, Fans of the show will recognize this background as being the same place where I interviewed the hip hop artist Plato, and uh, he's a local like hippie rapper. And uh, you know, I asked him his controversial opinion, and he basically said, uh, as someone who has worked uh, in mental health supports for people, that he thinks we essentially idealize total sobriety, mm. being total abstention from any kind of thing considered a drug or a controlled substance. And he doesn't necessarily think that that should be equivocated with everybody's ideal of health. Mm-hmm. And I think I totally agree. I, I, you know, and so like, for example, um, you know, 
uh, cannabis, I think, is something that could be absolutely a detrimental uh, characteristic in someone's life that could really hinder them. It could also be something that could be a stepping stone away from, you know, uh, very serious and harmful and potentially fatal, Mm -hmm. you know, illnesses. It could be a component in somebody's life that could be a part of wellness alongside other more conventionally and traditionally understood notions of wellness. And so we've got this antiquated thing that evolves out of these racist drug laws and, you know, trying to, (sighs) trying to disentangle, uh, the good intentions, the, the resources that go into, you know, rehabilitative services um, from the, frankly, um, oppressive, biased, and and uh, broken components mm-hmm. also. It's a really difficult yeah. thing to do and to tackle. And often, frankly, the people who are most privy to the experiences of that kind of marginalization are very disempowered because, oh, you're some druggie. Yeah. You know, you're some criminal and, and, you know, the, the only person who would really be able to know and articulate the experience of going through like a program like that and, and knowing how much it hindered, you know, your ability to seek a job or whatever it may be in the name of protecting you and helping you. But yeah, that's, yeah, that's a challenge. It is. Challenge. You know, a lot of our systems for a long time were based on, they were faith-based. Yes. And that's great if you're a person of faith. <laughs> but if you're not, like the whole system is set up that where you're having to, uh, you know, almost agree to something that's against your basic philosophy. And so, right. you know, we, we, just, we just need more and variety. And I think your point, you know, we can't enforce our way out of these problems. Right. You know, it's not, that's not the mechanism to solve these. So, yeah. Right. We cool. need to stop wasting money and resources in that direction. Absolutely. Well, uh, I'm really appreciative that you took the time to sit down with me. You know, uh, I've interviewed a lot of people who were running for office. I interviewed Kitty Piercy uh, after she held office. And um, I genuinely think you're helping to legitimize what I'm doing, you know, because Rose Wildey of the Lane ESD board was the first person in her uh, reelection bid uh, to actually be a sitting you know, elected official who decided to sit down with me and now you're the second. Oh, so, awesome. so thank you for doing yeah. that. And, uh, anything, any final words? No, I was just, is great. Cool. You all right. a, you've got a new fan. Cool. Have to listen. Yes, it'll be, uh, we've got the videos all on YouTube and everywhere that podcast stream, just search broken class and it'll come up. It's not broken record with Rick Rubin, the <laughs> famous music producer who just produced an amazing red hot chili peppers album. Great comeback album. I really liked it. Check it out. Okay. <laughs> but um, thanks for joining us, everybody. Um, I think the next guest is most likely going to be Aisha Elliott, who hosts the podcast Black Girl from Eugene. So hopefully we're able to do that one. And uh, yeah. Oh, I should also point out, like, I never do this, but like real podcasters do this. Subscribe to the show. Like the video if you're on the video. Comment. You know, that goes a long way. I get like one comment out of 160 views and I'm like, really? Did you like <laughs> this it? This is Did meant you know? to, yeah, we're meant to engage the community here. So, thank you again and we out. Peace. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Thank you. Yes. By way of Hamamatsu, Japan. Gradient is bad for your rap cats And I'm making scratches If the game never been the same Then I let a plane with a book of matches I'm a disaster when I rap casually I'm a problem to mathematically It's a map I'm irrational like 3.141 You gotta say that I'm quite whack 
But when you then strike back, it's to say that's just like your opinion, man. But I'm like Shaq, I just don't go away. Even if you had quite enough of me, I'ma be an individual because it's never gonna be another me. Life is a classroom, it just depends on your outlook. I'll be in the front row with five pencils and a notebook because I'm so hooked on absorbing every little bit of knowledge that I can. Knowledge plus wisdom is power in my hands. I want to get my hands quite full trying to be a better human being because I got a lot of opportunities a lot of people never see. A lot of people got dreams but spend too much time wishing. Hard work is a virtue, making dreams come to fruition. There ain't no tuition at the University of Wikipedia. You can spend an hour on there and learn a lot more than the media will report in a whole week because our audience is all sheep. I'm talking about cable news, man, because a lot of us are asleep. And it's not just Fox News, man, it's also MSNBC. Anyone that try to put me in a box never been a friend of me. I'm more clever than the enemy, so they're never gonna get at me. And they better be ahead of me if they ever think I'ma let it be. We can do better than this, y'all just think independently. You don't have to pretend to be anything less than you wanna be when I'm on the beat and I'm dropping heat. I'm an animal like a wallaby, like a hottie. This is how I see I don't quite fit the dichotomy. We live in a false economy and eat each other up like piranha be. I'ma be different cause I wanna feed, I don't wanna eat And I'm gonna be very proud of me, and you're gonna wish you never doubted me Sorry for the rant y'all, I just really had to get that out of me